Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast, Campaign Magazine's weekly conversation about everything happening in the worlds of advertising, marketing, and media. I'm Brittany Kiefer, the Creativity and Culture Editor. I'm Gideon Spanier. I'm the UK Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Kate McGeown, the Associate Editor. So Gideon and Kate are with me today because we just released our May issue and it should be out or in your homes this week. Our cover feature is one that we do every year called The Best Places to Work. Uh, it has a bright yellow cover, some Legos, and it's a roundup of the companies that are, as the name suggests, the best places to work in the industry. But in 2021, what makes a best place to work, Gideon? To make it clear, the way we do this survey is in, in partnership with the Best Companies Group, and we... I get them to submit, that is, agencies, media companies, marketing departments, uh, a number of different pieces of information. It's a pretty rigorous process run by this uh, separate outside organisation. It's absolutely fascinating seeing the the actual results because you have to tick a lot of boxes. Um, There's stuff about benefits, policies, practices, and other general information. So we've got 90 winners, a mixture of... uh, big, medium-sized and small companies. And of course, it was such a strange year that most companies uh, only had two and a half months in the office. Uh, but what really came across, I think, as a, as a good or best place to work was this a real sense of, number one, camaraderie, uh, mm. being together, doing a lot of stuff uh, remotely, but keeping people informed. I think that was really important. It was really interesting seeing companies that even if they had to make pay cuts and and put people on furlough, some of the best places paid that money back. There also were things like uh, care packages and wellness packages and hampers that were sent instead of, say, having the Christmas party. So what makes a best place to work, I think, is somewhere that was very mindful of the mental pressures on people and was very good at keeping people connected in a very difficult environment. So I think in agency land or advertising and media, there's this uh, kind of image of these, especially agencies being um, fun places to work. They offer a lot of perks like free beer on a Friday or maybe, you know, free free lunches. I know some of them do that. Um, there's a line in this feature about agencies have always been great at partying. Um, so I think that as this feature points out, some of those perks are actually no longer enough. And a lot of people are reassessing what they want from their work life as the workplace landscape has really changed over the past year. Kate, what do you think about some of these perks? Like, is that something you're hearing from people that actually maybe they don't care so much about the free beer on a Fridays? I think what's changed is, you know, we've been doing this survey for a few years now. um, And in sorry to use this awful cackneyed phrase but in this such, such an unprecedented year uh-huh. things really have changed and you know everyone's now working at home it's remote working is the norm um and I, I think what's happened is that some people are saying that now with all those kind of agency perks like the free pizzas on a friday you know the free beers on a friday night or the the free pizzas if you're working late and stuff and, and i guess the kind of the party culture the work hard you know play hard culture now everybody's that's all stripped away and you're actually sitting at home mm-hmm. in, you know, your bedroom, your spare room. Um, 
particularly for sort of the younger people who might be more um, up for partying and stuff um, at that, that kind of younger age. With all that stripped away, suddenly they're left just with the work, which is, you know, highly pressured. There's a lot of it. And they're not getting any kind of those those fun bits anymore. And and I spoke to one person, she said, and they're realising that basically all the they've fallen for the fluffy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then actually the job itself, once you take away a lot of the perks, isn't that great. Um, you know, you're not getting paid brilliantly for it and it's very hard work and you're not getting that any of those kind of fun other bits. So and that's leading to people to reassess what they actually are looking for from a job. Right. You know, in a way that a lot of people are kind of reassessing their lives after this kind of very odd year. Um, that's, you know, making people rethink what it is that they're looking for and, and can they get a better work-life balance and, you know, what, what should their lives sort of look like now? And, and is that kind of the contract between the kind of the fun stuff and getting to do in a creative in, uh, career? You know, is that balance right anymore? Hmm. So that leads us into what makes what makes a bad place to work. And Kate, you wrote a feature that focuses on the industry's long hours culture. I'm just going to read the intro and then you can talk about how this feature came about. Just scratch the surface and you will hear the horror stories. People vomiting in the work toilets because they are so burnt out. Bosses making part-timer comments when staff are leaving at 10 p.m. The expectation that you will turn up on a weekend for a regular creative review. And an executive creative director standing on a table at 3 a.m. the night before a pitch, screaming at everyone, it's all fucking shit. People no longer making plans with friends or family because they know they will have to cancel. Others working at the hospital bedside of sick children or dying relatives. Women choosing to freeze their eggs or having fewer children because they don't think their job is compatible with a family. And more tragic consequences for those who have struggled with the pressure. So, Kate, some of those stories are really disturbing, but sadly, they're ones that I've heard a lot in the past six years working at Campaign. Well, how did this feature come about? Did Were you hearing these kind of stories as well? Yeah, so I think we've all heard these sort of stories over the years. And, you know, these are just the stories I can write. Let's be clear here. There are, there are hmm. other stories as well that, for various reasons, we can't publish. Um when we were doing the best places to work stuff, I was looking through the data and it was interesting that you get asked a million questions on, you know, various aspects of your business. But the questions and in most of the, these are when you're looking at the best places to work, you know, people coming up with these really high um, you know, 90 percent satisfaction rates on all these different aspects of a, of a business. But every time it came up to a work workload question, work life balance question, even at these very best agencies, the rates were much, much lower, significantly lower, and notably so across those categories. So it kind of got me thinking. And I also was speaking to Zoe um, Scarman, who I um, interview in the, this feature. We got talking about the sort of agency cultures. And she mentioned these you know, young, boy, young boys, young guys vomiting in the toilets because they were so um, burnt out on these pictures and stuff. And it just sat with me. It just disturbed. It was so disturbing. And it just sort of haunted me for the next few weeks. And I just thought I've really got to write something about this. Um, and the more sort of I investigated, the more of these stories came out. And it just seemed to be a kind of standard. You know, I I, I said that to some of about these people vomiting the toilets and was met with, oh, yeah, I did that. And you know, everyone does that, like as if that's just a standard thing that people do. And sorry, so are they vomiting because they're so stressed out? Yeah, they're so burnt out, particularly if you're watching, working on pitches, you know, pulling in late nights after late night after late night, early mornings again, having to work the pressure. So it's just the pressure's too much. You know, they're not going home, they're not having breaks, they're not, you know, 
eating properly, they're not having sleeping properly, you know, they're, they're just completely burnt out and stressed. And I just got really angry about it because I felt like this is just not, this is, the industry needs to wake up. <laughs> this is, this is not okay. I mean, either if you're a business and your, your staff are vomiting in the toilets, you are not, you're not doing it right. You're not creating the right environment for that to happen. Either you're morally inept or you're allowed, you know, by allowing that to happen to staff and thinking that's okay, you know, or you're negligent because you don't know it's going on. Um, or, you know, or worse, you've created a culture where people are too scared to speak up about it. Um, and I really, I really think it's got to stop. There's a really good story that stuck with me that we published from Holly Newton, who used to be an ECD at an agency and left, I think, a few years back. And she talks about how she got this big job at 30, just 32 years old. And she kind of come up in the industry believing in this presenteeism, like, you know, you have to show how dedicated and passionate you are, be the last one to leave, first one to show up you know, that will show your true dedication. And then just a year after becoming the ECD, she got so burnt out and decided to quit and start this different kind of life. Um, Kate, what do you think about why, why is it that an industry that's supposed to be so creative and as we know, you know, creativity doesn't always thrive in this high pressure environment. What is contributing to this long hours culture? I think there's quite a lot of factors there. I mean, to be clear, we're not talking about all long hours. So, you know, if somebody, if somebody were likes working late at night, you know, fine. Um, other people might be really passionate about a project, you know, and, and want to work then, or, you know, they're doing something different in the day. They choose to manage their time differently. That's fine. And I think most people will be willing to kind of work extra hours over a particularly busy period. Um, but the issue is this constant pressure with no down periods and the sort of relentlessness of it and that it's sort of expected and this kind of constant squeezing more and more out of staff. I mean, if you speak to um, business owners or business leaders, it's the pressures. I mean, the agencies are under huge financial pressures. And I think we've all kind of you know, written a lot about this recently. And that, and that's one of the big factors that's contributing to it, that, you know, they're trying to do these pitches basically in their, in their spare time, because there's no time to kind of also, you know, talk to clients and service clients properly in the, their actual working hours. And then the pitches are just an extra thing shoved on the top, you know, and then there's, you know, there's various pressures about this. I mean, some people say it's because agencies don't have good commercial skills and they're not able to you know, properly monetize what they're doing. Um, you know, the idea that if you don't do it, other people will, this sort of race to the bottom. You know, we've, we've talked about this a lot. So that's that's definitely a, a huge factor. And I think any kind of pushback on this feature will probably be people saying, yes, of course, we'd like our staff to do, you know, a nine to five and go home and have a nice time. But, you know, that's not it's a naive perspective because we don't have enough time. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough money. Um, you know, particularly the bigger agencies that are constantly chasing revenue growth, not necessarily being profitable accounts, but they just need to keep showing that they're winning business. And, you know, it, that's the, probably the, one of the main drivers. But then there's this other thing. That I think this is an interesting point that Holly made, which is that people have talked about this long hours culture for a while and they've never actually managed to, to end it. And there's this sort of slight cycle that, as Holly said, she got this. She became, you know, the creative leader. Um, after you know working really hard getting to that point and then she found that she was perpetuating the same problem because she had been schooled in this old model of, of doing things so she got to the point where she said I knew how to make great work and I knew how to win pitches but I didn't know how to do that without the long hours and I thought that was a really interesting point. Mm. I thought that was really 
Yeah, so profound that she realized that actually she was perpetuating the same cycle that she'd come up in as a young creative. Gideon, what kind of responsibility do you think business leaders have to tackle this culture? And you're a leader of a team yourself. Like, is it something that you think leaders are thinking about more or has it just got worse during COVID? Well, I do think that it's really important for people in teams both um, leaders and people within teams to uh, check in on each other. Um, I think there's definitely been an awareness that mental health is something that has been in the past not been properly supported, both uh, in people's personal lives and at work. And there's a lot going on in people's lives that uh, people at work don't know about. So the short answer is I think it's really important to communicate and, and check not just directly with that person within the team, if you're concerned about them, but ask other people, how do you think uh, the team's getting on and so on. But it is a wider point, uh, the sort of financial pressures. I think if we were to go before the pandemic, you know, what what's happened is there's we're in a world of very frequent communication that uh, there are. A lot of people who will have work emails on their phones who the boundaries between work and home uh, and personal blurred quite a long time ago. And it's difficult, actually, to manage that. No, you know, people, for the example, might be on Twitter or they might be on LinkedIn and they maybe they shouldn't or maybe it's like they enjoy it. But then work can intrude. And I think one of the many things is trying to work out discipline to say, how do you how do you manage that balance? And I, I do think for pe- older people uh, who, who maybe have more experience in the workplace, it's incumbent on them to tell their colleagues if they think that they should be taking a break and don't push yourself too hard. When I was starting out, which was you know 25 years ago, I think sometimes I I did have quite unreasonable bosses. And when you're in your 20s, it's hard sometimes to say no. You don't know what's right. So if I I was to say one other point, this is where coming back to best companies to work, this is why the culture of an organization is very important. Because in a lot, whether it's an agency within a big group or a smaller company or a startup, you know, every company prides itself on its culture. But often when you, um, you know, move fast, uh, to quote the Facebook line, they like break things. When you move fast, you know what are you j- so busy building or just trying to stay afloat that you forget about good processes to look after staff, to train staff, uh, to nurture them. And I do think that it's a problem in, in a lot of companies where they don't necessarily have good processes in place. And you know, in in both the feature about the best places. And uh, Kate's on on the worst places. There are lots of useful tips about things you can do, you know, just do simple things uh, to keep to support working parents. But uh, there and flexibility. There are loads and loads of things that I think are, uh, only recently have companies been sort of dealing with and, and understanding. I think that's such a good point about the leader setting the tone from the beginning for the culture of that organization. Like I remember six years ago when I moved over here and I started working at Campaign, I saw an email on the weekend from our former boss, Claire, 
And I thought, because that's what I was used to, like in my career, that I had to reply to that right away. So I replied on the Sunday. And then I remember coming in the next day and Claire saying to me, you know, like if you see an email from me over the weekend or out of hours, that's just because like I, I needed to get it off my plate, but don't look at it, don't respond to it. And I, that really stuck with me because I thought, oh, like, that's great. Like she's the boss. She told me I, I'm not expected to work outside of these hours. And I think when you're coming up in an industry, no one teaches you what what how to deal with some of those nuances of a workplace. So it really is incumbent on the boss to show you. I was just reading the WPP annual report, um, uh, which is useful for anyone who needs help sleeping. Yeah, light reading. (laughs) They actually put a lot of work into it and uh, they show a lot of the ads that they've made in the last year, which is interesting in itself. But among the many, many details in there, it's amazing what you'll find. They've, They've got stuff about whistleblowing and they set up a right to speak line after some problems with some senior executives in the company over recent years. And the number of calls to the whistleblower line have doubled in two years. I thought that was interesting. Sometimes I think it's about creating a culture or an environment where it's okay to speak and to be able to voice concerns. And it's it's difficult. I would say one other thing, you know, we're journalists and we often work to deadlines and sometimes that can involve unreasonable hours. And it, it, it's a balancing act. And there are a lot of other industries uh, and I think of, you know, banking and law, um, but there are others too, where people can sometimes work long hours, but it is a culture problem. If it, 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 if the organisation doesn't know it, they're, they're um, either ignorant or, I think, uncaring. So, Kate, you also published a piece online about what agencies can do to tackle this culture and change it. Do you have any good tips that people could learn from? Yeah, lots of people talked about things. I, th- I think the point about it coming from the top is really important. So setting the right um, tone from the leadership and, and being proactive about actively saying to people, we do not expect you to work on these hours or, or the rest of it. I mean, and this is kind of Veronique's story that I've written about where she was having to work at the side of her sick child in the hospital. And as she said, nobody... Nobody asked her to do that, but then nobody told her to stop. And again, if you're that, that's where I think we need to step in and say this is not expected of you, particularly for people that are perhaps more junior and are not quite sure where the boundaries are, and you know want to look keen and they want to you know look like they care and they're passionate about their job and they're kind of concerned about um, you know stepping back and setting their own boundaries. And I think also different personality types probably find it more difficult to set their own boundaries. And I think that's where you have to be a bit more kind of benevolent um, to sort of help people in terms of practical tips. I mean, one of the big things is obviously improving pitch management. Um, I, I think that would you know, make a, a big difference. And, and part of that is being more, um, as you know, as Gideon said, being more disciplined about your time. Um, you know, don't leave everything to the last minute. Try and actually set meetings up earlier. Get the right people, the key people in the room. Make sure the key people are, are involved straight away so that you don't you know, go down off one one tangent and then get told it's all going to be rubbish and thrown out the night before and you've got to start again. So obviously, occasionally that is going to happen. It is a creative process. It's, you know, it's... Um, creativity doesn't always come exactly when you want it and stuff but I think you, you do need to try and formalize this a bit more and not just think oh it's all chaos and creative chaos and that's that's great because that that's not how businesses work so you know improving the actual management of it for a start being more selective about what pitches you choose is it really worth it um you know ring fencing your time so you're only 
only kind of producing the minimum viable sort of product pitch if it's not going to actually pay you that much. Um, rather than putting all your time and energy into everything and making everything a kind of an ego thing and you know a, a, a competition every single time on every single point. Cutting back on meetings, you know, does everybody have to be in that meeting? Can they go and actually just do, get on with their work? Um, know when to stop. I know that the thing with kind of creativity, everyone wants everything to be brilliant, and I think that's a really you know positive, great thing to do. Trying to make you know trying to make everything as best as you possibly can, but there does come a point where you need to stop and be practical about it. Being clear about your business objective so that everybody on the team actually understands what they're doing, and they they may you know your your junior staff may actually find better ways of doing things if they if they know what they're doing and how that you know links into um, you know the overall business objective then that can really help and uh, you know setting healthy communication habits you know what ways are, what, what ways are being communicated I think this is another problem recently there's so much there's so many ways to communicate you know you've got Google Hangouts you've got emails you've got LinkedIn messages you've got Twitter it's so difficult to kind of keep up even with all the various places that people can contact you on so you know just set set you know tell explain where you're going to be going to kind of communicate with people and and people only have to check one or two things i think that would be helpful and then just be more imaginative around working patterns you know does shift work work better that's something that some some people have tried um you know so just you know we've got this is an industry full of brilliant minds and creativity and it just needs to be applied to the working practices um because i'm sure they will find some great solutions if people care enough to try Hmm. Well, there. I think you're touching on topics that we've discussed before, and this is definitely something that people have been aware of for a long time. There's been a lot of talk that the pandemic is actually going to reset workplace culture. Gideon, do you think that's sincere, or is there a danger that we go back to normal, whatever that means, in a month or two, and this all just continues? No, it's not going to go back to normal. I put a pretty big bet on that uh, i think there's too many things that have changed um something Brittany, that you've written about and that we're aware of which is sort of bigger cultural forces is the isolation that happened during covid and uh the awareness about lack of progress in some areas of inclusion um obviously with black lives matter but um lots of aspects of inclusion i think it, it was a, it was a moment of reckoning and i think you touched on it yourself earlier sort of people have been reassessing what they want. Uh, we ran an excellent piece by Sue Higgs last year, who is now um, an ECD at Dentsu McGarry Bowen, talking about sort of how she came to realise that she had been bullied in the office. You know, let's be clear, some of what uh, Kate's piece is about is about a bullying culture where people are expected to work long hours or they lose their job. They've, they've got bonuses that they will not get. And those those kind of things can be really, really damaging. One of the stories is, you know, you you, cho- you choose your uh, your kid, you you, cho- you choose to stay at work rather than go to your kid's event. And I'll tell you something, you know, I'm a dad. I was in, I had a choice between going, leaving Can Lions early or going back for my daughter's sports day in June. And one year I chose to stay and that was my choice. And, uh, you know, and I, I did regret it, not terribly, but, you know, it was just probably for another party and another conversation in can so i do think it's up to us as individuals as well uh, i think that what the pandemic has shown you presenteeism isn't so important flexibility is more possible and i do think it, it's very hard to really know where we're headed but i do i do strongly believe that the jobs market is improving after a terrible time one year ago 
And it, that when there's more choice, it's going to force employers to raise their game. I really feel that quite strongly. And I think the best places to work is inspiring. There, you know, it is, Case is absolutely right that there are too many bad stories, but there are also a lot of good stories. And I do believe that one of the things that's interesting about our industry, the creative industries, is it attracts a lot of people who want to do things better. They want to build businesses that they want to work at. And I think we sh they should be given a lot of credit for that. Culture matters. And um, one more thing, you know, we touch a lot about pictures and so on. So clients and people who are responsible for the demands that they put on uh, their suppliers, which include agencies, they need to be responsible. Uh, I just heard last we had a bank holiday uh, last week and, you know, there was a US client. They wanted the pitch on the Monday. So all the people were ju not just having to work on the bank holiday, they had to work all weekend or they ended up working all weekend. Are there ways to be more thoughtful? The short answer is yes. Yeah. And just, yeah, understanding the effect of things like small choices that you make that maybe you don't think twice about. Well, if you call a pitch on a Monday, that means people are working over the weekend and just having more awareness of that. Yeah. Stop Monday deadlines, make them Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's a good point about, you know, the clients. Um, this is a my piece focused on what agencies can do. Um, but obviously a big part of that is also clients being responsible about how they're treating their agencies. Um, so yeah, it, it's a kind of, it's a mix, but I, I do think often when you kind of talk about these long hours cultures, the agencies push back and say, well, it's all the client's fault. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's true. I think it's an excuse. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, yes, obviously there is a big problem with clients and that needs to be fixed as well. But there are a lot of things that are within agency's power to change and they need to change it. Yeah. Was there anything else, Kate, that has stuck with you? Maybe one takeaway that when you wrote this feature, I know whenever I work on a feature, it'll, I always learn a lot from it personally as well. That's a good question. I don't know. I was angry when I wrote the feature. It had to be toned back, <laughs> toned down. I could tell. <laughs> um, I think it's also just also on a personal level, making sure that you're protecting yourself as well and not, not get too swept up in trying to prove yourself and trying to do everything. You know, there are, there are other, if you're in, if you're in an environment that is toxic and harmful to you personally, you can leave you have a choice you know there are other, there are you know this isn't every agency it's not every place like if you're in an agent if you're in an agency where your creative director is screaming at you at three o'clock in the morning you know you can leave and I, I know that when these kind of when you're starting particularly when you're starting out your career and I think you want to kind of you want to go to the best creative agencies and you want to go and do the best that you can possibly do and I think that that's a really admirable trait but I think that you also need to look out for your mental health and also you know just step back occasionally get some perspective on what you're doing and, and not allow yourself to be in a position where you're you know writing pitch documents at your child's sick child's bedside or you know only not getting any sleep and thinking that's okay if it's you know not getting sleep for 72 hours and eating takeaway five you know five times in a row and thinking that that's okay you know you've got to don't get too swept up in it you know <laughs> wake up it is just advertising as Lynn's Redding said Well, thank you, Kate and Gideon, for joining me this week. You can read more about the stories we talked about on campaignlive.co.uk. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And if you are a subscriber, please like or send, a, send us a review. Any feedback is welcome. And we will talk to you again next week.